to the second episode of College Sports Today, right here on WLRZ 99.3 FM. I'm your host, Hamilton Neal. We again, thank you for joining us here this week on the show. Had a really big premiere last week. We thank everybody who tuned in there. This week, same thing, jam-packed show, lots of stuff to talk about. Hope everyone's doing well out there. Hope everyone has had a great week so far. Very big weekend coming up as well, as we are already at the end of the second week of November, about to go into the third week of November. I don't know about you guys, but Things are just going so quickly right now, and that is the case in athletics right now. We are already at week 11 of college football. We already have the college basketball season upon us. Spring sports are going to be starting not too long from now, starting in January. Things are just moving at a breakneck pace right now, and in a lot of ways, that's a great thing because the more sports we have to talk about here on the show, the better. So here on tonight's episode, we're going to be talking college football. We'll go over the CFP top 25 rankings. We'll talk about the week 11 schedule in college football. We'll talk about some games, break those down a little bit. We'll talk about the opening night of college basketball, some men's games, some women's games to fill you in on. And then we'll wrap up with Lenore Ryan sports. We'll talk about the Lenore Ryan football team. We'll talk about men's and women's soccer. We'll also cover cross country as well. Lots to do here in tonight's show. And we're going to get started with college football and the college football playoff top 25 rankings. This is the second edition of the season for the CFP top 25. And at number one, just like last week, no surprise, the 9-0 Georgia Bulldogs. Alabama is at number two. They remain there as well. They are 8-1 overall. Oregon and Ohio State both move up a spot. Oregon to three, Ohio State to four. Both are 8-1 overall. Cincinnati also moves up from number six to number five. They are undefeated at 9-0. The Michigan Wolverines are 8-1. Michigan State took their first loss of the season to Purdue last Saturday. They dropped from number three to number seven. Oklahoma is at 9-0. They are number eight. Notre Dame and Oklahoma State round out the top 10. Both of those squads are 8-1 and one overall. Going down to the 11-20 through 20 portion, it starts with Texas A&M, the Aggies, 7-2 and two overall. Wake Forest dropped their first game of the season to North Carolina last week. We'll talk more about that a little bit later. They are 8-1 and one overall. Baylor is at 7-2. and two. BYU is at 8-2. and two. Ole Miss and NC State, both at 7-2 and two overall. Auburn, Wisconsin, and Purdue are 6-3. and three. And Iowa comes in at number 20 at 7-2 and two overall. And 21 through 25, we've got Pittsburgh at 7-2, and two, San Diego State at 8-1, and one, undefeated Texas San Antonio at number 23, they are 9-0, and oh, and rounding things out, two 6-3 squads, Utah and Arkansas. So that is the college football playoff top 25 ranking, again, the second that the committee has put together so far this season. And a lot of things have changed since last week. You look at Oregon and Ohio State both moving up a spot. Both teams getting wins last week. Oregon defeating Washington. Ohio State gritting out a win against Nebraska. That was a game where they were favored by two touchdowns. They only won that game 26-17. We'll elaborate on the Buckeyes a little bit more in our games to watch portion of this segment. They didn't play great in that game, but they got the win. And when it comes to the college football playoff committee, what they're looking for is if you get the win. 
And sometimes style points do play a factor, but the most important thing is that you win games and that you get the dub, right? So for Ohio State to get that win, to get to 8-1, and one, not to drop a second loss, super important because if they drop that game, then they're really out of the playoff mix. But we don't have to talk about that with them because they got that win. Again, they're 8-1. and one. They're playing very well right now. Again, we'll talk more about them coming up in a little bit. Michigan State dropped a game to Purdue, as I mentioned, 40-29, to 29, dropping from 3-7. to seven. I was a little surprised they didn't drop lower than that because you got an undefeated Oklahoma team still behind them. You got an 8-1 Notre Dame squad there. Oklahoma State's playing well. Had I been ranking, I would have dropped Michigan State a little bit lower than where they are right now, number seven. Again, that's just me, but that's not a good loss there to a Purdue team who, who yes, they, they are now in the rankings at number 19. They're six and three. They're a good football team. But when you're number three and you're undefeated and you drop a game like that, especially the with the way that they lost, yeah, I, I would have dropped them a little bit more. But again, that's just me. Texas A&M is playing very well right now. Got a dominant win against Auburn last week. They're at number 11 now. I think they're just going to continue to move up. Again, as a two-loss team, not really in the mix for the CFP right now. They're still in the mix in the SEC. So you look at the way that they run the football, Zach Calzada, a quarterback, their defense just played outstanding last week. They've had a really good season as a unit overall. That's a really good football team coached by Jimbo Fisher. And they're almost in that top 10 now, number 11. Uh, Again, Purdue getting in. Very great win against Michigan State last week. And uh, look at Texas San Antonio down there, number 23. They're 9-0 and out of Conference USA. They are playing some outstanding football right now. That is a program that has really improved over the years. And they have really hit their stride. They've really hit their peak. And I love the way that that team is playing. And uh, I think we'll continue to move up. You know, you win games the way that they have. You got to give them the respect. So that's a little look at the college football playoff top 25 rankings for week 11. So now let's take a look at the college football week 11 top 25 schedule. Starting with top ranked Georgia, they will be on the road at Tennessee, 3.30 p.m. kickoff on CBS. Number two, Alabama stepping out of conference to take on New Mexico State at 12 noon on SEC Network. Number three, Oregon will be taking on Washington State. Ohio State will be taking on number 19, Purdue. Huge game there in the Big Ten. 3.30 kickoff on ABC. Also broadcast on ABC, 6th-ranked Michigan at Penn State. Michigan State will be taking on Maryland. Oklahoma and Baylor squaring off. Again, those are the 8th and 13th-ranked teams. Notre Dame will be at Virginia. Oklahoma State will take on TCU. Texas A&M and Ole Miss squaring off. Again, a battle of the number 11 and 15 teams right now. Much like the A&M-Auburn game last week, you got two SEC-ranked teams that are kind of in the middle of the pack of the rankings, but are playing very, very good football right now. So we'll talk about that game coming up in a little bit. Wake Forest and NC State matching up, 12 and 16 there. BYU has a bye week. They will not be playing this week. Auburn will be taking on Mississippi State. Wisconsin will take on Northwestern. Iowa is hosting Minnesota. San Diego State will take on Nevada. UTSA will be taking on Southern Miss. Utah will be at Arizona. And Arkansas will travel to LSU. So those are all the games within the top 25 in college football for week 11. So now we're going to go into our games to watch portion of this college football segment. And we're going to take four games and kind of pull them apart for you a little bit. And we're going to start with fourth ranked Ohio State and 19th ranked Purdue. Last week, as I mentioned, the Buckeyes pulled out a gritty 26-17 win at Nebraska. Quarterback C.J. Stroud, kind of a mixed bag here in this game. He had 405 yards passing, two touchdowns. That was the good. 
the bad, two interceptions. Travion Henderson led the rushing attack with 92 yards on 21 carries. That was really the offense for Ohio State. C.J. Stroud with the two TDs, over 400 yards. Had the two interceptions, though, that had Nebraska been able to execute a little bit better, could have put them in an even worse position. You know, Nebraska just wasn't good enough to capitalize on those turnovers. When you're playing a team like Purdue, who defensively last week really locked down on Michigan State and held them down and were able to force some turnovers, that's going to cost you in games. And for C.J. Stroud, I think it's going to be very important this week to protect the football because Purdue can score. Purdue can execute if they can force some turnovers. So if that happens this week, it's going to be a lot different of a football game than it was last week. They know they can rely on Travion Henderson in the running game. It's just about consistency for C.J. Stroud. He's a young quarterback. I get that. He's still growing and developing, but really has to cut down on the turnovers. Again, two there against the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Purdue last week, again, as we mentioned earlier in the show, dominated then number three Michigan State, winning comfortably 40-29. to Quarterback Aiden O'Connell had a monster game going 40 of 54 passing for 536 yards and three touchdowns with zero interceptions. His favorite target was Demetrius Bell, who caught 11 passes for 217 yards and a touchdown. Jackson Anthrop and Brock Thompson also caught a touchdown in the win. Ohio State is a 19-point favorite in this game. That is the line on this matchup. So Ohio State, even with the strugglesome performance last week, still expected to win big here against Purdue. And I do feel that the Buckeyes will come out and get this win. I think that they're going to execute much better. I think Ryan Day will clean things up with his offense. And I think this defense is starting to get better. Against the high-powered offenses, that's where they would really come into question. Against Nebraska, I thought they played pretty well. They were bending there a little bit, but they didn't break. And that was really the most important thing for that defense. But they're going to have their hands full this week. You look at that stat line against the then number three team in the country for Aiden O'Connell, Purdue quarterback, 40-54-536 and three touchdowns, 217 yards for Demetrius Bell. That was an absolutely electric connection in that game last week. So Ohio State has to watch those two guys, Aiden O'Connell and Demetrius Bell together. I mean, Aiden O'Connell spread the ball around in that game, but he was going time and time again to Demetrius Bell. Again, 11 catches for 217 yards and a touchdown. You rarely see stats like that in college football. I mean, we see some 500-yard passing games scattered around here and there, but for a guy to have 217 yards by himself through the air receiving, that is that is absolutely incredible. And that's why I think it's going to be a fun matchup because these are two very high-powered offenses, two teams that can score. So that'll be a very interesting game, Ohio State taking on Purdue. Going from the Big Ten to the Big 12, Oklahoma and Baylor. The Sooners last played on October 30th, defeating Texas Tech 52-21. Quarterback Caleb Williams passed for 402 yards and six touchdowns, going 23-430 passing. Marvin Mims and Mario Williams both went over 100 yards receiving for the game, and the OU defense held Texas Tech to 5.7 yards per play and also forced three turnovers. Baylor dropped their second loss of the season last week to TCU in a 30-28 defeat. Quarterback Jerry Bohannon threw three touchdowns, but also threw two interceptions. The Bears defense allowed five 562 yards of total offense to TCU. And the line on this game is Oklahoma by six. Overall, I think it's going to be a very competitive football game. These are two really good football teams, two well-coached football teams. Lincoln Riley is a great offensive mind. Dave Aranda is a very good defensive coach. So that's going to be the chess match here in this game. It's going to be the offense of Lincoln Riley for Oklahoma and the defense of Dave Aranda at Baylor. And 
the formula Baylor has used to win games this season has worked consistently. You know, their offense has not been great, but it doesn't have to be because they've been able to get stops. They have a good solid D. Jerry Bohannon played good against TCU. He had three TDs, but threw two picks, much like we talked about with CJ Stroud, some good and some bad. And they're going to have to clean up the turnovers. Now, I said they have a good defense, but last week they allowed too many yards, 562, to, to a TCU team who's only 3-5 and five on the season. So that was a very, very disappointing loss for Baylor last week. But they have a chance this week to bounce back against a very good Oklahoma team who has had Caleb Williams in there for a few weeks now. He's really acclimated himself well since taking over for Spencer Rattler. He has not missed a beat. I mean, he's come in and looked like he's ran this offense for years. That's how good he is. And remember, he's a true freshman. He's a true freshman quarterback in a system and in an offense that's not easy for guys to run. I mean, we saw Spencer Rattler really struggling. Caleb Williams has given them a huge, massive spark, and that's why they're still undefeated right now. Had they continued to start Spencer Rattler, they would definitely have some losses right now. I think that's just the reality. Caleb Williams has come in and completely changed the feeling of that football team, and I think he's going to continue to play very well. But again, very good competition this week against number 13 at Baylor. And again, Sooners favored by six. Two more games to check off here in our Games to Watch segment. Texas A&M and Ole Miss. Very, very big game coming up here in the SEC. The Aggies last week, as we mentioned, defeated number 17 Auburn 20-3. Isaiah Spiller and Devin Akane led the way for A&M, rushing for 210 yards combined on the ground. Quarterback Zach Calzada, very steady, throwing for 192 yards with no turnovers. Ole Miss stepped out of conference last week to face Liberty, picking up a 27-14 win. The Rebels' defense forced Flames quarterback Malik Willis into three interceptions and only 173 yards through the air. Ole Miss quarterback Matt Corral went 20 of 27 passing for 324 yards and one touchdown. Texas A&M is favored in this game only by one point. That is how even these two teams are. Both teams can pass it at very good quarterbacks. Calzada for A&M, Corral for Ole Miss. Both teams can run the football very well. And both teams defensively have stepped up. Texas A&M holding Bo Nix and Auburn to only three points. And Ole Miss holding down a Liberty team who is typically very high scoring with a highly touted quarterback in Malik Willis, who's an NFL prospect, again, holding them only to 14 points. So that's why it's going to make for such a great game because they're so even in every area. But I think the biggest difference will be the play of Matt Corral compared to Zach Calzada. Now, Zach Calzada has played very well this season. Don't get me wrong. He has had a good season. He beat Alabama. He's been winning games week in and week out. He's played great. But Matt Corral, there's something about him right now and the way that he's playing. I like Ole Miss in this game just because of his ability to play make. He's efficient. 20-27, 3-24 and a touchdown last week. That is getting it done. And again, that was that's not a amazing Liberty team outside of Malik Willis, but that's one of the best teams outside the Power Five. So impressive win against a good team. He's done it against the conference opponents as well, and that's why he is a first-round NFL draft prospect to QB. I think he will be the difference in that game, but again, A&M favored by one point. And our last game we're looking at here is Wake Forest and NC State. Last week, the Demon Deacons' undefeated season came to an end as they fell to North Carolina in Chapel Hill, 58-55. Quarterback Sam Hartman threw for just under 400 yards and five touchdowns in the game, but he also had two interceptions. They posted 615 yards of total offense, along with 35 first downs in that game. And they still lost. 
NC State took down Florida State last Saturday, 28-14 on the road. Quarterback Devin Leary threw four TDs while going for 314 yards through the air. And running back Sonovan Knight rushed for 75 yards on 18 carries. Wake Forest is favored in this game by two points. And I do trust Wake Forest to come back and have a bounce back game this week. Very good NC State team. This is a huge, huge challenge for them. And again, it's a very, very skilled football team over there with the Wolfpack. But Sam Hartman has just had an amazing season. The way that he spread the ball around to the playmakers, the way that that offense has taken off. Remember the years where even when Sam Hartman was playing quarterback, Wake Forest was struggling. They weren't that good of a team. He's developed. This whole team has developed. There's an identity about this squad that I haven't seen in other seasons. There's an edge to this team. There's a consistency about them. And you couldn't say that years ago with Wake, that that they had those characteristics as a football team. But you got to give credit to Dave Clawson and that entire coaching staff. And credit to Wake Forest for sticking with him. I think through the struggles, a lot of schools are quick to send that head coach out the door. But you got to trust that head coach's process, their system, what they want to build. It's not always going to be immediate. Nine out of ten times, it's not. And credit to Wake Forest for just kind of holding things down. Sam Hartman, Dave Clawson, everybody involved there at Wake Forest, they've stuck to it. And they've had a great season, again, taking on NC State, favored by two points. So that is our college football segment. Again, we went over the CFP Top 25, the entire Top 25 schedule for Week 11. And those are some games to watch and ones that you should be watching this week in college football. Now let's head into our college basketball segment. We're going to be talking about a lot here in this segment tonight. We're going to start with some news and then go into some of the opening night results from the college basketball season. First, some headlines. Class of 2022 five-star power forward Jairus Walker has announced his commitment to the University of Houston. The IMG Academy star is ranked 13th overall and number one at the power forward position in the class. He joins four-star recruits Terrence Arseno and Emmanuel Sharp in the Cougars 2022 class. Their class is now ranked 12th nationally and number one in the American Athletic Conference. Again, just a huge pickup for Houston here. Over the last couple of years, they have been in the mix with a lot of five-star top-level recruits, but they just have not been able to land one. That time has finally come. Houston as a program They have turned such a corner over the last couple of years. Much like we talked about with Wake Forest in football, Houston has stuck with Kelvin Sampson through the struggles. Through the first couple of years of his tenure at Houston, this was not too good of a basketball team. They were struggling. They were not recruiting at as high of a level as I think they felt they could. But then they started to win games. And when you start to win games and you start to build a culture, recruits are going to gravitate towards that. We saw Quentin Grimes transfer from Kansas to Houston because of that reason, because he wanted to be coached by a guy like Kelvin Sampson, who would take him under his wing and show him, this is how it's done. This is what you need to do to succeed at this level. And it's a player's program. Like I said, there's a culture there. There's a feeling within that program that they are continuing to ascend. Last year, they went to the Final Four for the first time since they had Faisalama Jamma, Hakeem Olajuwon, and Clyde Drexler, etc. And they're looking to do even more in the future. And it's guys like Jairus Walker that are going to have a huge hand in that. They're getting a strong physical player down on the block, can score with his back to the basket. He has great footwork, great rebounding skills, and the mechanics on his jump shot are really improving. And with all post players, with all big men, you want to see that. Is he the most athletic guy at his position? No, he's not. But he does have that ability to back guys down. Again, as we mentioned, super strong, really consistent down there. You don't want to face him inside. He is really tough. 
because of all those things we just mentioned. And if he can get a little 15-foot jump shot down, then really look out because I think this guy's going to be a star for a Houston program that will be going into the Big 12 in the future. Keep that in mind. So again, Jairus Walker going to Houston. Now let's talk about Kentucky a little bit. The Wildcats have landed 2022 five-star combo guard Kaysen Wallace. He's ranked seventh overall and number two at his position in the class. He joins two other five-star recruits in the Wildcats 2022 cycle, small forward Chris Livingston and point guard Sky Clark. Their class is now ranked number one nationally and number one in the Southeastern Conference. Very versatile guard here. And what I love about his game and what he brings to the table is not only is he adept and adequate offensively, with the ability to hit a jump shot slash get to the rim. But his defense is probably his greatest asset as a player. And when you have that two-way ability, plus you can play two spots in the backcourt, point guard and shooting guard, John Calipari is going to have so many options with this guy. He's going to have a lockdown defender, gets deflections, great running the floor in transition situations. He has all of those things on that end. And then offensively, if he can if he can become even more of a playmaker on that side of the ball, then look out for this guy as well. Because most guys don't have the defensive chops that he has to go along with the offense. All the top recruits have the offense. They have the ability to score in some way in different combinations. But rarely do you see a guy with those type of offensive skills, but also the ability to lock a guy up defensively. I think this guy could become what Davion Mitchell became at Baylor. Like Davion Mitchell, when he got to Baylor and was coached under Scott Drew, he could fill it up. He could shoot the basketball from the outside. He could go inside. He was big and strong, but he was also an incredible defender, and he's doing that at the NBA level now with the Sacramento Kings. Cason Wallace, I think, has that type of trajectory as a two-way basketball player. So huge pickup for Kentucky there, Cason Wallace announcing his commitment to the Wildcats. And in other news with the Wildcats, shooting guard Shaden Sharp, the former number one ranked recruit in the class of 2022, has announced that he will graduate high school early and enroll at Kentucky for the second semester with a plan to redshirt for this 2021-2022 season. His plan is to practice and train with the team and not play a game until the 2022-2023 season. He is now ranked third overall in the class of 2021, per 247 Sports. So here's the deal with Shaden Sharp. He's now reclassed officially from 2022 to 2021. And what he's going to do, as I mentioned, he's going to practice and train with the team, but he's going to use this time to develop, not playing games necessarily, but just get on campus, get acclimated to the program, see how everything's going to look. And then in 2022, 2023, get on the floor and get going. Now, one thing to keep in mind that's going to be very interesting to watch is he will be old enough to enter this upcoming NBA draft. The only question will be is, for the NBA, was he a year removed from high school? Because he's at the age where he can go out, but it'll be, okay, is he a year removed from high school? And that's not going to be the case because he's going to be leaving high school coming up in December. So in all likelihood, Shaden Sharp will be playing games with the Wildcats starting in 2022-2023. So that is some news from college basketball. So now let's go over some of the top games from the opening night of the men's college basketball season, which was back on Tuesday. We'll start with top-ranked Gonzaga. They took on Dixie State and got the easy win 97-63. to For the Bulldogs, Julian Strother had 17 points to lead the way. Rasir Bolton added 15. Number one ranked freshman Shet Holmgren had a double-double, 14 points and 11 rebounds. Nolan Hickman and Drew Timmy added 11 points as well. 
Number two, UCLA, 95-58 over Cal State Bakersfield. Johnny Juzang and Jules Bernard leading the charge for the Bruins with 19 points each. Jaime Jaquez added 14. Tiger Campbell and Jalen Clark also in double figures with 10 points. Now going over to the two games at the State Farm Champions Classic. Number three, Kansas, 87-74 over Michigan State. For the Jayhawks, Ochai Abaji, 29 points in 36 minutes. Remy Martin had 15 points and 6 rebounds. David McCormick added 10 points as well. For Michigan State, A.J. Hogard led the way with 17 points. Julius Marble had 13. Gabe Brown and Marcus Bingham Jr., 10 points apiece. Number 9, Duke, and number 10, Kentucky. The last first game for Coach K. First game of his final season with the Blue Devils. Number 9, number 10. Very even game, very close all the way through, very hyped up. Duke gets the win, 79-71. to Freshman Trevor Keels and Paulo Bancaro led the way for the Blue Devils. Keels, 25 points. Bancaro, 22 points and 7 rebounds. Wendell Moore was the only other player in double figures for Duke. 12 points, 4 rebounds, and 3 assists. For Kentucky, Oscar Shibway, 17 points, 19 rebounds. Xavier Wheeler, 16 points and 10 assists. That was a really crazy game. Throughout, back and forth, up and down, really entertaining matchup, but Duke ended up getting that win. Because of the play of Trevor Keels and Paulo Bancaro. Trevor Keels, I know it's just one game, but I am just... So, so impressed with his play. We kind of saw in the exhibition against Winston-Salem State, and we saw it again here in this game against a very big-time Kentucky team. This guy is ready to go, as is Paulo Bancaro. These two are going to be their best players all season, easily. I mean, the way that these two can feed off of each other, Keels running so many different positions. He can play kind of the two guard. He can lead the ball up the floor. He can play the point. Bancaro can handle the basketball. He looked a lot like a point forward in that game. Just watching it, the way he moves, he's so athletic. You can see why he was voted ACC preseason player of the year coming into the season. Those two, the way they fed off each other, the way they played together, absolutely impressive. Wendell Moore, what he did last night with 12-4-3, that's going to be his role all season. Be a glue guy. Add 10, 15 points into the mix. That's going to be his role for this Duke team. And you need guys like that. You know, not everyone can be the 25, 30 point scorer. You got to have those glue guys. You got to have those glue guys that are going to pick up the slack and make the tough plays when you need them, give you that boost. Wendell Moore is absolutely that guy. Now, on the flip side for Kentucky, they have a lot of good things to take away from this game as well. They're going to be a very good team this year. This is going to be a lot different than 2020 for them because they have Oscar Shibway in the post. 17 points, 19 rebounds. This is the type of big man that John Calipari loves to use on the inside. These are the type of guys that have made Kentucky so hard to stop and so good over the years. Guys that can get that double-double, guys that can back you down, guys that are physical. What he did on the offensive glass last night was absolutely impressive. And he is going to be their best player throughout the season, in my opinion. Xavier Wheeler had great balance, 16 points, 10 assists, as we mentioned. This is this guy's a pure point guard, transfer from Georgia, great get from the transfer portal. I think he's going to have a really good season this year for Kentucky. But the thing that hurt them last night was they shot only 37% from the floor. And against some teams, that would actually be good enough. But the fact that Duke on the other end shot 50% and they just kept knocking down shots time after time down the floor, it was just too much to handle for Kentucky. And they turned the ball over 13 times. And that's not a winning formula, especially late in the game. And they had some some costly turnovers there late. I really love Ty Ty Washington, by the way, at point guard for Kentucky. He had a good game last night, but did have some turnovers. He's going to grow into the position. He's really their pure point guard. Wheeler 
can play that position as well. Those two are, it's kind of point guard by committee there, Kentucky, with, with Ty Ty and with uh, Xavier Wheeler. But again, they just turned over too many times there late in the game. So Duke in that one over Kentucky. Again, Kansas getting a very good win over Michigan State, who is unranked, but they were ranked just outside the preseason top 25 coming into the year. So good wins for both Kansas and Duke at the Champions Classic. A couple other games that I want to point out here for you. Number 12, Memphis, 89-65 over Tennessee State. Really, really hyped basketball team this is in Memphis because of Amoni Bates and Jalen Duran. Two five-star elite freshmen. Amoni Bates, 17 points, four rebounds, four assists. Very complete stat line. Jalen Duran, Lester Canonez, 15 points apiece. Landers Nolly the second, 10 points as well. They shot just under 60% from the floor and 50% from three. Again, an easy one there for Memphis over Tennessee State. Bates and Duran are absolutely as advertised. Bates had a really great game last night, not just adding the 17 points, but making some impact, rebounding, and dishing as well with four assists. Love the balance that I saw from his game. And he's going to feed off of Jalen Duran and vice versa. Duran is just such a dominant big man. He's so physical, the way he backs you down, the way he plays, very similar to that of Oscar Shibway at Kentucky. Just big, strong, and physical. Really, really hard to stop in the post. And finally, Navy, 66-58 to over number 25, Virginia. Huge, huge upset here on the opening night. John Carter Jr., 19 points. Sean Yoder added 15 for the midshipmen. They forced 14 Virginia turnovers, including 12 steals. Jaden Gardner had 18 points and 10 rebounds to lead the way for Virginia. But again, very disappointing loss to start the season for them. Virginia is always one of those teams that's not going to score a whole lot. They're never great offensively. And, and they did a good job again defensively last night of holding you down like they usually do. But they just gave up a little bit too much. John Carter Jr. was a little bit too much, as well as Sean Yoder. Those two, again, as we mentioned, 19 and 15, respectively. The way they locked up Virginia late, forcing 14 turnovers, 12 of those steals, that's what UVA usually does to you, where they press you and they get you into those situations where you're going to make mistakes. Navy gave them a dose of their own medicine last night. This is a huge, huge boost for Navy. Huge, huge boost of confidence coming in. To beat a team like this, a top 25 team, that just gives you so much going into your upcoming games and into the early part of the season. So perfect scenario there for Navy, again, getting a win over Virginia. So that's a look at men's college basketball and some of the opening games from Tuesday night. Now going over to women's college basketball, we're going to start with some big news out of UConn. Husky superstar Paige Beckers has landed her first name, image, and likeness endorsement deal, and it is a multi-year partnership with footwear and apparel marketplace platform StockX. The reigning National Player of the Year was the first freshman to win the annual award since it began in 1976. She will become the centerpiece of StockX's upcoming focus on women's sports and basketball, according to a company spokesperson. Launched in 2016, StockX now features more than 125,000 items across its marketplace from over 500 brands. The company saw sales of items total $1.8 billion in 2020, up dramatically from $1 billion in 2019. Terms of this deal were not disclosed. Everybody wanted to get Paige Beckers for an, a name image likeness endorsement deal. And there were so many companies, so many organizations that wanted to get her signed on. But she was very smart to say, you know, I'm not going to commit to one right away. I, I'm, I'm going to hold back a little bit. I'm going to see where my options are, see what the best fit is for me. And she ultimately decided on StockX. And 
that was, I think, a really good pick because StockX is very involved in basketball right now. They are a sponsor for the NBA G League Ignite team. They have a growing platform. Again, we mentioned 125,000 items across their marketplace from over 500 brands. They are immersed in so many different things. And one of those things now is a focus on women's sports and basketball, which anyone who knows me knows that I'm a huge supporter of women's athletics across the board and really excited to see Paige Beckers and StockX partnering here for an NIL deal. Again, credit to Paige for taking her time. A lot of the student athletes that have this opportunity went ahead and did it very quickly. They saw the offers that came in and they're like, yeah, I'm going to go with that one. But like I said, Paige was very judicious and deliberate with it and wanted to make the best decision and make and make the pick that was going to be the best fit, and that is StockX. So Paige Beckers and StockX agreeing to a multi-year partnership, name, image, and likeness deal in the books there. So now we're going to go over some of the top games from the opening night of the women's college basketball season, which was just like the men's opening night, Tuesday evening. And we're going to start with top-ranked South Carolina as they took on the number five NC State Wolfpack. Very tight game throughout, really a sloppy, inconsistent game. Just like last year's matchup between these two teams where NC State won 54-46, low-scoring affair here, 66-57, South Carolina getting the win. Two players in double figures for SC, Zaya Cook and Destiny Henderson. Cook with 17, Henderson with 14. NC State was led by Jakia Brown-Turner and Raina Perez both had 18 points each. Again, as I mentioned, very inconsistent game and sloppy at times. Both teams turning the basketball over, making uncharacteristic mistakes, but South Carolina did enough to win at the end. And I think this win will go a long way for them. Not only because they beat an NC State team that's ranked fifth, one of the best in the country, but they were able to grit out this win and get the job done even without a great game from Aaliyah Boston and without a great game scoring from Camila Cardoso. That front line is going to be so important for them over the course of the season. And they struggled offensively. Boston is one of those players that you expect to get that double-double game in and game out. Well, they didn't get that from her last night. So Destiny Henderson had to step up, did that in a big way with 14 points. Zai Cook is such an underrated point guard. We talk about Paige Beckers and Caitlin Clark and all of those players, and rightfully so. They're incredible players. But Zai Cook is one of those players that's just like the straw that stirs the drink for South Carolina, is really a stabilizing force for them in that backcourt, really gets everything set up well. One of the best point guards in the country and one that I think people need to talk about a lot more. So South Carolina getting to win there over NC State. Fourth-ranked Maryland, 97-67 win over Longwood. For the Terrapins, Angel Reese had a double-double, 21 points, 14 rebounds. Cheyenne Sellers added 17 points as well. They shot 45% from the floor, forced 19 turnovers, and won the rebounding battle, 49-33, plus 16 there. Number nine, Iowa, 93-50 over New Hampshire. Caitlin Clark, 26 points, eight rebounds, six assists. Monica Sonono, 14 points on the game. McKenna Warnock added 12 as well. The final two games we're going to look at, number 10, Oregon, 91-34 over Idaho State. And number 13, Kentucky, 81-53 over Presbyterian. First for the Ducks in that win over Idaho State, Sedona Prince led the way with 18 points. Maddie Schur and Nairo Sabali had 14 as well. Very good win for Oregon here against an Idaho State team who had a good year last year, just not at the caliber to compete in a game like this. Coach Kelly Graves has another very, very talented squad. I'm excited to see how he can coach them up this year. We're going to see just how good this team is 
throughout the first portion of the season because they're without India Rogers, transfer from USC, and they're without their starting point guard, Tahina Peo Peo. So we're going to see just how good this Oregon team is without them once they get those players back to go along with Prince and Sobley in the front court. Some of those sophomores, Maddie Schur, Kylie Watson, you just go down the line. Just a very talented Oregon team and getting an easy win there again over Idaho State. Going over to Kentucky, the final score of that game, 81-53, dominant win for the Wildcats. It was not that big of a gap early in the game. Presbyterian was actually leading early on in this ball game, and some people were wondering there, wait a minute, what's going on with Kentucky? Number 13 team in the country, they're trailing. They end up getting the job done. They end up getting things going. Drayona Edwards, 20 points, six rebounds to lead the way for the Wildcats. Treasure Hunt at 18 points. National Player of the Year candidate Ryan Howard, 15 points as well. Again, very good one for Kentucky, just to, to see how they responded from that adversity early. You know, rarely in an opening game like this against a team that you're much, much better than, you see that type of thing happen. But when it does happen, because it can, and it did for them, you got to come back. You got to come back strong and consistent. And that's what they did. So a lot of really good games throughout on that opening night of women's college basketball and men's college basketball. There have been some other games since Tuesday, obviously the Wednesday night games, the Thursday night games. You can check out all those scores as well. You got games tonight. You've got games coming up through the weekend. So a lot of stuff going on with college basketball right now. And now we're going to head into our final segment of the show where we're going to talk about Lenore Ryan sports. First, we're going to talk about the Lenore Ryan football team. They stepped out of conference last Saturday to take on Barton College and came away with a 56-20 victory. The Bears fell behind by three going into the second quarter and led only by eight at the halftime break. The second half, however, was all Bears, outscoring Barton 35-7. Quarterback Grayson Willingham had a very efficient game, going 19 of 27 passing for 186 yards, three touchdowns, and one interception. Keelan Parsons led the receiving effort, catching six passes for 67 yards and a touchdown. Again, very good win here for LR, going out of conference against a solid Barton team, just continuing to move right along, continuing to win games. You look at the way that they've played, over the last couple of weeks, they're really starting to get things going. They're now 7-2 and two overall. Grayson Willingham, super experienced quarterback there, brings so much stability to that position. You look at Dwayne McGee in the backfield, what he's been able to provide. DeAndre Lester has been very consistent. We mentioned Keelan Parsons, just a very, very talented offense that can explode at any moment. Again, they were trailing at halftime 21-13, to 13, and they were able to come back and outscore Barton 35-7 in the second half. 56-20 victory. That's just how dominant this team can be on that side of the football. They can get it going literally at any moment. They have so much talent. And again, that's why they're sitting at 7-2 and two right now. Now let's look at the South Atlantic Conference standings. LR is now in third place in the sack. Ahead of them are Mars Hill and Newberry. Mars Hill, 6-1 and one in conference play, 8-2 and two overall. Also 6-1 and one and 8-2 and two is Newberry. They got a win against LR early in the season. Lenore Ryan, Again, at number three in the conference, five and two in the league, seven and two overall. Wingate is five and two in the conference. They are seven and three overall. Virginia Wise, 500 in the league, play at four and four. And overall, they are five and five. Catawba is two and five in the conference, five and five overall. Tusculum, also two and five in the league, four and six overall. Carson Newman and Limestone, both one and six in conference play, and both are one and eight overall. So that is a look at the South Atlantic Conference football standings. Again, Lenore Ryan sitting at 7-2 and two overall, 5-2 and two in the league with a date with Catawba this Saturday 
definitely expect them to get that win and go to eight and two. So that is a look at what's going on with LR football right now. Again, getting a win over Barton last Saturday, Catalba this Saturday. The Lenoran men's soccer team, the 21st ranked Lenoran men's soccer team, fell to Mars Hill two to one in overtime last Saturday in the quarterfinals of the South Atlantic Conference Tournament. Bears now 10-5 and one overall, 7-3 and one in conference play. Again, Disappointing loss here for LR, being 21st ranked, hosting the South Atlantic Conference Tournament game, and it only being the quarterfinals. I know this team felt like they had much more to prove. This team felt that they could have made a run all the way, and I, I felt they could have made a run all the way as well. They were the third seed. They weren't right at the top, but they were they were close there. Late game situation, Marcel executed, and LR wasn't quite able to get the job done. But again, 10-5-1 overall, 7-3-1 in the conference. Great season at this point, and we'll see. We'll see where things go from here. Again, to be 21st ranked, to have the type of success that they had, the senior leadership, this has just been a fun team to watch throughout the course of the season. And despite the loss, very excited to see what this team has been able to do throughout the season and uh, very proud of what they've been able to accomplish. The Lenoran women's soccer team defeated Limestone 2-0 last Saturday in the South Atlanta Conference Tournament quarterfinals at the Moret Sports Athletic Complex. Kate Casey and Leonie Prosel notched goals for the Bears in the win. LR improves to 11-4-2 overall, and they have now advanced to the South Atlantic Conference semifinals. And we're going to wrap up now with LR Cross Country. The Lenoran Cross Country teams raced at the NCAA Southeast Regional last Saturday at Millican Research Park in Spartanburg, South Carolina. The women's squad placed fourth place, their best finish at an NCAA Regional in program history, while the men's team finished 13th out of 23 teams. Next up is the NCAA Championships November 20th in Tampa Bay, Florida. Again, very good... Very good showing here for both the LR men's and women's cross-country teams. You look at the men and what they were able to do. You look at Lewis Budgen, Jacob Parkinson, Harrison Hickman, Noah Julian, all four of those guys, freshmen for the Bears. Men's team, very, very good performance. Again, 13th out of 23. For the women's squad, Jenna Kwambai, fifth place finish, 21.24 was her time. That guarantees her a spot. In the Nationals on November 20th in Tampa, Caroline Hilliard finishing 19th, Kelly Dahlberg in 23rd place, Catherine Polk 35th place, Jordan Cruz, just an outstanding performance for both the LR men's and women's cross-country teams, and they've had a great season all the way through. And for those who have tracked it since the season began, you know how good these teams have performed from meet to meet. They have been absolutely outstanding. So that's just some of the stuff going on here at Lenore Ryan. Again, every week we're going to cover more. We got men's and women's basketball coming up. Season starting for men's basketball with two games in Charlotte. Saturday, first game for the women's basketball team. Again, we got the preparation for spring sports coming up. Again, we're not quite at that point yet with spring sports, but news will start to trickle in with those sports. A lot of stuff will be happening with those programs like baseball, softball, golf is gearing up for spring season. We got track and field coming up as well in 2022. So a lot of stuff going on here at Lenore Ryan right now. A lot of stuff going on across the country. And this has been episode two of College Sports Today here on WLRZ 99.3 FM. We again, thank you so very much for listening here tonight. We hope you join us again next week. This is Hamilton Neal signing off. I'll see you then.